If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We praise players for playing through injuries, but then if they don't perform as well as they did prior to the injury, we knock them down. So I think, you know, what, yeah. what we've seen with LaVisca is a guy that, you know, what make, what's excited, he's a fun player to get on your team, meaning that you can line him up in the backfield as a running back, put him in at quarterback at the wildcat position, and then he has the ability to, you know, obviously line up outside. The one challenge we have with him, and I told this to LaVisca, is how much can you handle? You know, because we could put a lot on his plate if he can handle it and have him play multiple positions because we think he's such a great playmaker. I love the music. I don't even listen to what Doug's saying anymore. No, I just dude, listening to the music. picture was like Doug Marone on top of like a red Camaro and like a, a blonde <laughs> dancing behind him. Like that's all I can picture like in the Zoom call. Didn't even see it. What did he say about LaVisca? Uh, what was it? Something about way, being, you can put him anywhere? By the way, to Coach Marone and his family, that was not an allegation. No, I'm saying that's what the song reminded me. I mean, the, the song had the characteristics of that. Doug Marone's like a, a great man. It's a 1980s video. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Some pour, pour some sugar on me, man. Some, something like that. Oh, my gosh. But I do not want that to be construed, though. Okay? We did not make allegations. Sounds like a meme to me. This was a 1980s music video reference. Sounds like a meme to me. Yeah, I'm not making allegations. Ah, man. I tell you, you know what's interesting listening to Doug talk? And I I wouldn't say he's been overly defensive in the last week. He's been asked questions that he's defended players on. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was the character stuff last week. I I thought he had a, a very good answer on it. And uh, his main point was, why are we knocking people for having good character? And just because you have good character doesn't mean you can't be a talented football player. Yeah. You know, there is that stigma, right? I mean, football is a violent sport. You know, we rip guys that get in trouble. We rip guys that don't act like the way we want them to act. Mm-hmm. And then we also say, well, you're not tough enough and we want you to be a little, you know what, crazy yeah, yeah. On, a, on, on a football field. I mean, it's it's really a... Crazy dynamic, you know. We're not we're not real with ourselves the way mm-hmm. we look at football players. I think in the NFL especially, and so there was also that stigma where a character guy means Boy Scout, choir boy, captain at the Ivy League school, yeah, smart guy, but probably not athletic, you know, all that stuff. It, yeah, it, that's a stereotype. No, I mean, it, it's become abs- that. You're absolutely right, man. And like some of the greatest teammates that I've had. They were the nicest guys off the field. They did the most things in the ch- with charity. Um, they were great family men. Um, they were great friends, great brothers in general. But once they got between the white lines, man, they flipped that switch. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, they're animals. They're dogs, man. You can have it both ways. You can be the quote-unquote choir boy off the field. You can do good in the community, come across as a pretty decent guy, And then you could turn on the switch between the white lines and be an all-out psychopath if you wanted to, man. That's just, I mean, that's that's what football is. Okay, so like to say, well, they got a bunch of choir, but like that's no, man. And you know what? They have a bunch of good dudes who I'm sure when they get on the field, they take care of business. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, this guy certainly does. We're going to talk about in a moment, and and so he doesn't fit that. But to your point, I I I always thought Malik Jackson identified that way with me. Mm -hmm. He was cool. 
cool guy off the field, fun guy, you know, just kind of like if he's sitting in here, yeah. you know, talking. But if you watched him closely on the field, mm-hmm. it looked like he was about to lose it every third play, like get a 15-yard <laughs> penalty. And so yeah. to me, like, uh, and maybe it was some of that time I was doing some sideline stuff or maybe preseason stuff or I remember an incident here or there. But but that's what you want. I mean, Dude, you look want at, that. Look you you want the guy that goes all the way to the edge. And yeah. you, you said Calais Campbell. Look at Calais Campbell, he's a nice man. Guy. Now, he kind of laughs and is still jovial oh, on the field yeah, sometimes. But, but that's after he kicks your ass. Exactly. And I forgot what game <laughs> it was this past year. But it was like on Jaguars.com. You know, they had, they had like the post-game um, footage. And they had like a preview before the game. And he's walking out of the tunnel. I forgot what game it was, but like a fan said something to him, like not good. Clay said something back, and then all of a sudden, like boom, like a you know a fire was lit under Clayus, and he had probably his best game of the season. And yeah, dude, off the field, I met Clayus Campbell a couple times. I talked to him a lot. The first time I ever met him was in Puzz's retirement thing. Yeah. I call him Puzz because <clears throat> I can't say mm-hmm. Puzz loves whatever. So awesome than I. Yeah, so easy now. So saw him at Puzz's retirement thing, and yeah, dude, Clayus Campbell, like. Didn't have to be nice to me. Didn't have to be hospital. I was like, hey, man, if you ever want to come back here, like, yeah, come on back, man. We'd love to have guys like you back. I'm like, dude, I was here for three years. It's not a big deal, okay? I, I have three sacks. You had more sacks in one game than I've had my entire career of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you want to be friends with me. Don't really get that point. But, dude, like, he's, he's this giant. I'm looking up to him. I wasn't right about that. But then you go watch him on the field, man. Go watch him bowl somebody. Go watch him put a guard on his back and then sack somebody, hit a you know, hit a home run with a celebration and let him know about it. Like that's Clayus Campbell to a T. That could be a choir boy, quote unquote choir boy, to a T. Doesn't matter, man. When he gets on the field, different animal. Yeah, I will tell you, I, I've had conversations with Calais before about this. I thought thought it was fascinating, right? We think he's a pretty darn good football player all the time. Well, he told me one time that there's levels of it. And there are about three or four times in a year where he will get borderline angry mm-hmm. in a game, mm-hmm. and and he said, "You can't stop me." Mm-hmm. Like on like, but he's also told me like he's tried to get himself in that phase more like every week. Yeah, and it's, it's hard can't to do. do it. Now he's still a great it's happen player when, when yeah. he's not. Yeah, but when he's in that mode, it's got to be an organic like, mode. Kind, yeah, I, I guess I would say the zone, right? Mm-hmm. For, yeah, for uh, in a different kind of way. For sure, he's, he's just said he said you can't block me. He's mm-hmm. like I'm unstoppable. Like, take that Houston game. He probably was mad for some reason, and yeah. he had four and a half sacks or whatever he had. So it's it's really interesting that even he sees levels of it, but he does turn that switch on. Okay, so I went th- – that was kind of a long conversation about Doug Marone defending the character. But now you see uh, Doug Marone defending kind of the, the toughness, the injuries, and, and uh, of players as well. Like, he's going – I find it interesting. This is kind of just a little footnote, but it's it, it's just – Really interesting to me, Doug Marone, from when he got here to that just crazy hard camp where Mercedes Lewis said, hey, stop it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get us to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Tampa in that preseason game and looked like garbage. And like, we don't have anything left. Yeah. Where you're killing us in camp. They, I mean, he was that guy along with Coughlin, but I mean, he was that guy. He engineered that camp. He engineered, he was that mindset, you know, that disciplinarian felt like to the full, and I don't know if it's as complete as a flip as it, as it looks like to us, but it feels like a flip to the 2019 that really had the players back yeah, and continues to have the players back and almost feels like a player's coach. So it's a little bit of a footnote, but every time I hear Doug talk, I pick up those things and, and this one had to do with LaVisca Chenault. 
Yeah. And he's battled through some injuries and he was defending a guy, you know, the, the injury part of it a little bit. But the, the across the board on LaVisca Chenault is this guy is one heck of a football player. Mm-hmm. It comes with if he can stay healthy. And OK, I, I, I chalk that up as that's for every football player. Right. It's a dangerous sport. Yeah. I understand you're going to tell me, well, Marquise Lee couldn't stay healthy. I, I get it. Listen, but, some guys are unlucky. So, Sometimes there's trends. Some guys play really physical, like Chenault. He puts his body on the line a lot. Yeah. So here's the thing. When it comes, well, first of all, with Chenault, okay, people want to say, well, do you take a chance at him, you know, with that draft pick with all the injury history? Well, guess what? If he didn't get injured at all, he would have been a first round pick. Jags probably would never have got him in the first place. Okay, like it's because maybe that he fell a little bit was because of the injury history. Now, yeah, you're taking a chance, but there's a lot of chances in football, man. And here's my point, though. In terms of injuries, Brent, in the league, there's two types. There's the injuries that happen because you didn't approach the offseason and you didn't take care of your body, right? Instead of maybe doing extra mobility work, instead of extra doing extra strength training, whatever it is, to get your body, to get your business ready for the season, you were out partying, not taking it seriously. That's one type of injury. The other type of injury, it's a football injury, right? It's just, it's unlucky circumstances. It reminds me of like Marquise Lee. I don't think Marquise Lee was the guy that didn't take football seriously. He wasn't the guy that was out partying. The guy worked hard, I'm sure. Little just, snake bitten. Yeah, he's got snake bitten, man. So sometimes you catch a bout of bad luck, and that's the game of football. That's the game of sports. That's the game of life. So with Chenault, man... I'm not going to question what kind of injuries he's had. Were the injuries where he didn't take his body seriously? Was it injuries where maybe he was out partying too much, not taking care of himself? Absolutely not. Because any wide receiver that can squat over 500 pounds, you know what that tells me? He takes care of himself, okay? He, he, he values his business. He values his temple, which is his body. So with that being said, I'm not worried about Chenault, you know, having these injuries from the standpoint of he doesn't work hard in the offseason. Now, Knock on wood, obviously. Could he get hurt, you know, in his rookie year or up-and-coming seasons? Absolutely, man. Anybody can. But it's not going to happen because he didn't prep his body for it. And, and it's fair to say, hey, he might be a little bit more at risk because of the style he plays, the different mm-hmm. positions he plays. He'll light up in the backfield sometime. Yeah. And he loves the contact. Uh, uh, there were some crazy numbers that how many times he was solo tackled in his Colorado career. It's not a lot. He's not making business decisions when it comes to getting tackled. No. No. Uh, so do they teach him to do that a little bit more at the right spots? Mm-hmm. Or do they... They just say, oh, go play the way. That's why that, we drafted you for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm going to assume health because that's, I think that's the only thing you can do. And, and you f- keep your fingers crossed on that. How fun will this guy be? And are we putting a little bit too much on him? Because here's the deal. I think Chason has a chance to be a really good player. I think C.J. Henderson has a chance to be a really good player. I'll stop there because the other ones who, who really knows, I think it'd be a little pie in the sky on Hamilton and Barch and all those but the best pick of the draft was LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because we all love offense. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it gives Minshew another weapon. Why? Because this offense has, quite frankly, been boring as heck for 12 years that I've been here, for the most part. And this guy has a chance to make it dynamic in a way we have not seen, to go along with the other parts. Maybe a better tight end room. Maybe Leonard Fournette, now Chris Thompson, DJ Chark coming off a Pro Bowl, and hopefully an offensive line that will play better. It's part of the equation, but he's different. So I feel like with all that said, myself included, by the way, I'm in this category 
I'm almost putting too much on the guy coming into this rookie season. And I've also seen when the Jags have put too much on a guy in the past, it hasn't worked out. Offense and defensive end, even though this guy has done a lot yeah. in his career. And keep in mind, Marone said on the phone when he called him and told him he was drafted, and he also said it just uh, on that Good Morning Football clip as well, Get in the playbook. Know the playbook. We want to use you all around. This guy's got a lot on his mental plate this offseason to be ready to make the Jags dynamic immediately. Here's why there's so much optimism, it seems like, for Chenault. Maybe even more than C.J. Henderson. Maybe even more than Chazon. It's from the standpoint of the position that he plays. right? If I go back to the 2019 draft, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I follow the game of football pretty close. I can't tell you what kind of season Byron Murphy had. Okay, I can't tell you what kind of season uh, Trayvon Mullen had. I can't tell you what kind of season Sean Murphy Bunting had. Second round pick out of Central Michigan. I can't do it, man. Maybe they did good. Maybe they didn't. I literally, I have no idea. But I can tell you this. A.J. Brown had a damn good year. D.K. Metcalf had a damn good year. Debo Samuel, saw firsthand, had a damn good year. Okay, it's because of the stats. It's because of you see it with your own two eyes. C.J. Henderson, is he going to be good? Is he going to be you know decent, average, mediocre? We don't know yet. But I'll tell you this. I mean, they're probably going to throw the ball his way, and we'll see what happens from that. But all we know is with Chenault is, listen, if this guy averages eight, nine catches a game for over 100 yards, that's good. Like The wide receiver position, you know who's good, and you know who's kind of eh, okay? The corner position, it's a little more like, well, they're not throwing to him. Do they respect him that much? Do they have to see him? So, like, with positions and with Chenault, the reason why there's so much expectation, so much intrigue, is because he plays the wide receiver position. How do they use him? Yeah. How will Jay Gruden use him? You have DJ Chark as a reliable threat. You've got your tight ends that some can block, some can get out there in in the passing game. I understand that. Just uh, you got Fournette, you know what he can do. I think Minshew's going to play out of the shotgun quite a bit uh, this season, and I think they're going to put the ball in his hands. Chris Thompson come in on third down. D.D. Westbrook is a guy that will run in motion and do some things, and you can kind of have some fun with. Chenault is so different in the sense that when I think of a guy that can do a lot of different things, I think of speed. So I think of Tyreek Hill, where you could, if you wanted to, and get super creative, and they might even do this at times, throw him back in the backfield mm-hmm. and, and do something. Run the jet sweep, right? Yep, do exactly. a lot of those things. I also think of maybe like a guy like Percy Harvin, who mm-hmm. had a little bit more of both kind of he had the speed but also he could play physical when he needed to yeah now you got to be a little careful of chenault's 40 time at the combine and he was playing he ran it with core injury and it was like four five eight so he's not but bottom line is he's not lightning fast mm-hmm. i mean he's not tyreek hill he's not even percy harvin from a speed standpoint i don't think mm-hmm. but he plays physical that's why i'm having a little bit more of a challenging time kind of thinking about what they'll do with him because in the NFL being physical is a little bit different than being physical do, in college, I mean, isn't it? Do, do you want the comparison right now that I think? Give it to me. Debo Samuel. Okay. Debo Did Samuel. Did they do a lot with him? Oh, yeah, man. Like the, the, the jet sweeps, um, you know, the, the, the screens. I mean, like Debo Samuel, listen, there's a reason why Emmanuel Sanders went to New Orleans. Okay. There, there's a reason why that, you know, the, the, the pass happy, well, I guess it's going to be run happy now, but there's a reason why the offensive minded uh, coach Shanahan realized that, you know what? We don't need Emmanuel Sanders anymore. We're all set. 
And the big reason is because of Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel last year was kind of like the jack of all trades. Dude did everything. He blocked. Um, he caught the screens. He ran the jet sweeps. Um, you know, I think he kind of lined up in the backfield sometimes. And he got some handoffs. Like he, the guy did everything. So that's what I can picture for Chenault. Because once again, I've talked about before. When the implementation of the Wildcat happened, whenever it was, man, it was probably 15 years ago now. Dolphins, right? Happened with Miami. But Gruden was right on board with that. Gruden was one of the next guys to follow suit. In Cincinnati, this was, by the way. And Gruden ran it to a T, okay? And he had success with it. Not saying they're going to run a Wildcat formation with Chenault or anything like that, but I'm just saying when it comes to thinking outside the box, um, seeing exotic looks, Gruden's the guy for that. So with Chenault, you know, once again, I always go back to defensive coordinators game planning. If you're going to game plan for Chenault, you got a game plan for everything, man. Just like Debo Samuel. Is he going to get the jet sweeps? Is he going to be in a wildcat formation? Um, is he going to, you know, have these screens, the goal routes, everything? You have to plan for Chanel because I think the guy can do it all. And if Jay Gruden can use him right, which I think he can, he could be have a pretty successful rookie campaign. I forget where I read it, but this is a great illustration of LaVisca Chanel. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just get the sense of you don't have to be a huge fan of Fournette or whatever, but he is one inch taller and one pound less. Than Leonard Fournette. That's ridiculous. That is. I had no idea. That's, that is a great illustration. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like whoa, at the receiver spot. You know, the play you're you're telling me plays, and I'm trying to visualize. Okay, how will they use it? And again, I am just all for creativity out of this Jags <laughs> offense. Oh my gosh! I mean, I just Brent, just give me we, just give me two guys running in motion, and we I will haven't probably seen a screen a pass in what six years now. I'm talking about a, sc- a screen pass to the running back behind the line of scrimmage. It's been a long time, man. It's been a fortnight and a half. Uh, it's been unbelievable. Uh, they have to be 33rd in the league in, <laughs> in screen passes. Um, but, you know, early in the I, – I, we have to be honest with ourselves. We praised Filippo a little bit early, like oh, the first dude, month was, of the year. Because I was on the we Sunshine Rainbow's Filippo, yeah. We saw uh, D.D. Westbrook kind of running back and forth and just some of it. Like yeah. we were begging for it, and we got a little bit of it. Yeah. So how will Jay? Gr- I think Jay Gruden will do a lot of that stuff. But when you're you're mixing in some of the plays, and, mm-hmm. and you're talking about that, like will they run him up in the Wildcat? Will they line him? Uh, they call I think they said like the F tight end position, whatever that would be. Does that make sense? I think okay. that's what Marone kind of okay. said. Um, so uh, is it would that be like that H back kind of spot? I mean, I assume in his system F means flanker. So flanker would be like. It'd be the slot guy, but he's kind of playing down more towards a tight towards thing, a so you can yeah. kind of, you know, okay. so you can you can down block, you can get past the get screens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, Assuming that's what that means. I yeah, have no so idea. Yeah, so you can play him all over the receiving formation. Yeah, yeah. But I'm almost thinking this, okay? Minshew's out of the shotgun because I think that's what we'll operate a little bit more out of. Mm-hmm. And you get Chanel next to him mm-hmm. off his right hip, say, and you know, then you just you know, one of those pitch plays where you just send it out to him. On, on the right side sure. and let him operate in space and maybe a one-on-one with a corner or a safety and you're okay physically trying to handle that and enough speed to not be chased down by the linebacker. Maybe, you know, so that's, those are the kind of plays that haven't really seen a lot of that. Haven't had a guy, like Fournette can't get out there quick enough for that. Sure. Fournette can't, doesn't have the wiggle enough for that. The Jags haven't really had a lot of that. Uh, and so just a simple play like that, just a simple design. That will throw a wrinkle, and what you can work off a of play like that from yeah. a misdirection standpoint, a decoy standpoint, those kind of things excite me with this guy. Well, and it should because last year, listen, there's a laundry list of problems with that Jaguars offense last year in the red zone, but also you can make an argument for converting third downs, right? The, the, those third and ones, those third and twos, those third and fours, just um, for whatever reason, the Jags couldn't get it done. 
When you have a guy like Chenault, who, if you give him the ball in tight windows and tight spaces, well, you mentioned it, Brent. The guy's as big as Leonard Fournette, okay? And the guy runs with bad intentions. The guy um, does not have the mentality of a wide receiver. He does not make business decisions. He tries to run through you. He doesn't try to avoid contact. He embraces it. That's not a wide receiver, okay? That's a beast, but that's what you want. But I'm saying is when it's third and three, when it's third and four, and you have him flaring out like that, you give him the ball, and it's one-on-one, I like my chances of him lowering his shoulder and picking up those three to four yards for the first down. Well, here's the deal, too. I'm going to just bring up Debo Samuel real quick because Josh jumps in, and he's got a good thought here. He said, scary thing is Visca is actually a little bigger than Debo. His trunk is through his business. He's going to break so many tackles. And he's right because, again, uh, LaVisca Chenault, I think 6'1", 227, I think is the number on him. Uh, six foot two fifteen for Debo Samuel. Okay. So there it is. Got that. But, but 10, keep in mind, though, his his name is Debo, though. So add a couple pounds <laughs> and add a couple things for that. I'm looking at his season last year, and this is a good illustration. Fourteen rushing attempts, 159 oh, yards. I thought it was more than that. Well, you got to remember, you saw a lot, this might have been just regular season too. I got you. But towards the yeah, it towards like the, the end, the Super he really Bowl. cranked it up. Yeah, Super Bowl. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl, by the way, three quarters into that thing. Uh, But he had three touchdowns from the running spot, Mm -hmm. averaged 10 yards a carry, to your point, uh, along 31. And then he caught 57 balls for 800 yards and had another three touchdowns. Would you sign up for those numbers right now for this rookie? Yes. Right? All day. All day. So, so, hey, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan is a very good offensive mind. Mm-hmm. I think does a very good job with his offensive weapons. I'm not I don't get into the genius category and all that stuff, but he does a very good job of what's there and utilizes them very well, I think. Jay Gruden, I hope, can do the same. Yeah. You know? Because if you get me seventy one touches for almost a thousand yards and six scores for LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. I think you got a chance on offense to be pretty good. You're not even lying, man. And I checked out the, the Super Bowl stats from Debo Samuel. I thought he had more rushes than only – he had three rushes for 53 yards. I thought it was more than that. But um, still pretty impressive, three rushes for 53 yards. So, All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, more of our celebration of uh, fans, Jags fans particularly, and even more specific, uh, Bold City Brigaders, if you will. So it's their day, and we answer the most important question that's maybe been asked on this show. And you're all wondering. No, it's not if he's white or black. I'm curious, though, man. Who, who the is heck is E. Dilla? <laughs> Simple as that. It's next on ESPN 690. I want to welcome in uh, uh, Greg Olson. Greg, could you come in and tell the fellas what you're all about? <laughs> Coach, thanks so much. So excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Russ, I love you. I mean, I love you. Uh, you too, Greg. I mean, I love you. Let's make a baby, you know? Shoddy, just want to let you know I came here to catch some balls. You know, what I did mostly for Carolina is I drew up all my own plays. So I'm going to be adding a lot to the playbook. This one I just drew up. It's called 90 Go Flywheel Kanye Starburst. We're going to be I like it, Greg. I like it. So let's get that into the playbook. Remember, no max protection. I don't want, don't stick me back there for max protection. Will Farrell. No special teams either. Jumping in. Yeah. On the Seattle Seahawks Zoom meeting <laughs> on the awesome. virtual period. That was a good little drop-in, so you can check that out on uh, social media if you haven't seen it yet. It was uh, it was pretty entertaining. And speaking of entertaining, we are having a celebration of the fans, really. Bold City Brigade, 
But all Jags fans and uh, in general, as we celebrate sports and local sports on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 the last uh, month or so, we'll continue to do it all the way into the summer with the various teams. And uh, we thought this was a good time to celebrate the fans a little bit and bring in the brigade because uh, we're right in the middle of the draft and the schedule coming out. And then we got to wait a few months for uh, some football. But this is like the most important segment we've ever had on the show mm. in a lot of ways, Austin Lane. Absolutely. I have no idea where this guy came from. Mm-hmm. The biggest mystery is, he, is he white or black? That's mine. I think the bigger mystery is who the heck is he really? Is it Dave Caldwell, <laughs> Tad Dickman, Doug Marone's kid? Yeah. Uh, who is he Dilla? Yeah. And we're about to find out on Action Sports Get to the Jacks. bottom of it. Let's find out right now. E. Dilla, is that what I should call you? What's up, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Um, you can call me Dilla. My name's Eric. You can call me Eric also. Um, <laughs> but on the in the Twitter streets, they call me Dilla, so that's what we run with. And sometimes the Dilla call. <laughs> Cap dubbed me that probably like, I don't know, week three, week four last year when the Jalen stuff was going down, and it stuck around. Uh, you are becoming like, um, or have become, somewhat of an icon. Yeah, um, it's been pretty cool. I don't really know, like, how it – well, I shouldn't say I don't know how, but it just kind of came out of nowhere, All like like you were saying, literally, like, overnight, it just kind of popped up, and here we are. Dill, i got a question for you here, man. Um, your go-to playlist, does it feature Mumford & Sons or Kendrick Lamar? Uh, Kendrick, for sure. Black, then, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> He's black. All right. All right. So the, the, that one's out of the way. Fantastic. Now for one of the hard-hitting questions, Brent. Back to you. <laughs> Back to you. Who's your source? <laughs> uh, my, it's Frank Frangie. No, I'm joking. It's totally not. Oh, 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 hit the dump button. Dump that. Hit the dump button. Who the heck is that guy? Yeah, never heard of him. <laughs> big jokes. No, yeah. big jokes. Uh, that's uh, not funny. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but So, by the way, the black or white question comes up a lot, doesn't it? It does. It's almost like a, a shtick, I guess. Uh, because I, I think most people know where you're white, but yeah. your AVI, is that what we call it? He's calling Abby, man. You're not going to call him AVI. Just call yeah, it Abby, Avatar. for sure. Yeah. The, the picture. AVI, yeah. The, the picture? Yeah. Uh, AVI. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, man? Is that what we call it an Abby? Avatar. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's short for Avi. Yeah. You call Instagram. You, you call the Gram Instagram. So you should know this stuff. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're learning, man. You're learning. Uh, is what is that picture from? Um, that picture is like a like uh, what we'll call him like a C list rapper named Haji Beats, and he's just holding up a water bottle, and that's all it is. <laughs> uh, and is any reasoning why you went there? Um. Probably like 2010, 12, like when I was getting on, getting involved in Twitter. He was, um, I watched a show called Loiter Squad a lot, and he was just one of the guys. He runs like Tyler Creator's crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odd Future back in the day. Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of where it came from. Big fans of all of them. And I went with the like lesser known of the group. So here's the thing. I'd, I can, if oh. I follow along on your Twitter a little bit, you're a Twins fan, right? I am a Twins fan, yeah. That's how I've been, like, stalking you, man. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, what I really, you know, I just realized this today. I forgot. Yeah. But when I thought of it, having you guys on, like, a month month ago when we were going to do these kind of things, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I'm going to try to call Rocco Baldelli and get him on. Sure. Wow. 
Villa's on. Yeah. Because I knew he was a Twins fan. Okay. But yeah. uh, then I forgot all about it. Well, you so know, why are you a Twins well, fan? Oh, man. Okay, let's, let's talk baseball. Let's talk about our future. But okay, go ahead, Dylan. Go ahead, man. You got it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, my mom's side of the family is from Minnesota. I spent a lot of my times in the summer up there, and, like, baseball's happening in the summer. Usually when my tournaments would end in town, uh, we'd head up there for our summer vacation, and we would hang out with the family and watch a bunch of Twins baseball. So that's just kind of how it came about. All right. So, but you're a Jacksonville guy. I am Jacksonville, born, raised, all the way through. All right, Dilla. Old school Tyler the Creator, new school Tyler the Creator, or both? Um, both. I still go back and listen to the old stuff, but I sure. think the newer Tyler the Creator, where he's like kind of reached musical heights, yeah. is more um, expressive. I really enjoy his last two albums a ton. So. See, and I agree with you here, and Brent, don't worry, Brent, go ahead and use a bathroom break if you want to, I'm man. I'm looking up Avatar. I, I know, you're all good, man. See, I'm only going to make this one argument. I like the old school Tyler, the creator, because it was like the underground. Like, it was the cool thing, you know, he was kind of speaking out against everything. And now, like, the new school stuff, it's more of just kind of like the R&B, kind of Drake-ish. And, and I get, like, there's a there's a demand for that, so I'm not knocking him whatsoever. I mean, he's got the style and everything. But me, personally, I'm more of the old school guy. Other question quick, thoughts on Earl Sweatshirt? Earl, um, I like older Earl more than I like newer Earl. His new stuff is, like, really weird and out there, but, yeah. like, um, you know, Doris and that kind of stuff is exactly. really in my wheelhouse. I got you, Brent. Your thoughts on Earl Sweatshirt? <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking okay, about. Okay, y'all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am so lost right now. Wolfgang, Brent, come on, yeah, man. You're I'm right. so You're lost, good. but You're that's good. okay. Uh, so I, I'm a little disappointed, by the way, man. You knew you were coming on the show. You couldn't hold off the Jags on announcing Chris Thompson and break it here on the show for us. I was, you know, I was actually hoping to do that on the show, and then Chris Fowler had to ruin that moment. Yeah, so my goodness. It is what it is. It's cool. Um, I knew that he had been on their list for a while, but I'm glad they signed him. I think it's a great signing. You are like, um, you're like the local Schefter, and quite frankly, I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a. Uh, like I like serving ice cream. I got scoops. <laughs> Nicely said. No, I well, said that that wouldn't have been funny. Oh, no, man. I, I, I would have applied for a new job. I'm not going to sit next to you when you say that every single day. There's no way. But, okay, so, Dilla, like like Brent just said, man, like, we're not going to ask your sources, but you have... you oh, have. No, we are. Okay, well, you ask them. But you, you have sticks in the fire, okay? Like, there's sources out there, whoever they are, that they tell you something, and you report on it. And it's usually factual. It's usually true. But it's not just a Jacksonville Jaguars thing. I mean, you've called other things with other teams as well. And my question to you is, like, I get it's all in good fun because, you know, like everyone knows you as Dilla and you're, you're this guy in Jacksonville who breaks the news. But you could probably be somebody, man. Like, you you'd probably go, like, global if you wanted to because, obviously, the things that you say come to fruition half the time or even more than half the time, probably 80% of the time. So do you ever think about, like, trying to, I guess, monetize what you do and try to, you know, put it on, on the world stage for people to see? Or do you kind of enjoy being that underground guy where it's like you're just a good old guy in Jacksonville and you have fun with it? Yeah, I do like being the, under, like the underground guy. The, um, the first moment it becomes a job, it's something I don't want to do, you know? Mm. So I just will continue to work my regular Monday through Friday job and have a good time on Twitter in between. Yeah, uh, you certainly do that. Uh, e. Dilla with us. We can call him Eric. You can also call him Dilla yeah. or the Dilla Cole. This is Bold City Cap. Um, hanging out with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. As we really are just trying to figure out who the heck he is. Uh, when? How long has this been now? About, what would you say, two, three years worth? Um. Yeah, little stuff here and there. Um, 
the first like draft picks I started breaking were like TJ Yeldon was the first one because they were trying to go back up in the draft to get a uh, Gordon. He ended up going, and the Jacks shut down shop for the night. Came back around two and took Yeldon. That was the first time I ever had like insight. Um, so about then, have you kept years track ago, of of how many things you've been right and wrong about? Um, <laughs> not like tally marks, but like Austin said, eighty percent's a pretty accurate number. That's that's pretty good field goal percentage. Here's the thing: I've said this. I've I've direct messaged Villa before. Okay, and I said this is very unfair because <laughs> if I go out there and say something and I miss on that twenty percent, yeah, you mm-hmm. guys are gonna roast me. Of course. But if he goes the out there and just it. throws it out there, he's fine. That's because he, he's, Cause he's in the underground. underground. He's underground, man. You're, you're in the underground. It's unfair. You're, like it's you're unfair in the corporate playing office. surface. You're in the corporate is. office, man. <laughs> it is. What, hey, it's what you signed up for, man. Like you can't be mad at that. Um, Quite frankly, we can throw anything we want against the wall anymore, and it's, we're not held accountable. Anymore. That's a good point. <laughs> especially, especially on this show, man. Especially on this show. Yeah. Uh, the is there some pressure on you now? I mean, I know you got your your DMs, if you will, uh, really fill up. Occasion, yeah, right? definitely. They get pretty busy. Um, there's there's pressure in the sense of like people want to know. People are eager. They come to me for stuff. It's not it's not as much of on my time anymore. But um, at the same time, like I don't really care what people think in the sense of like if I do get that twenty percent wrong. Like I just tell people what I'm told, and like it started out as me doing it just to like shed light on the situation. You know what I mean? Just people want more, especially like the behind-the-scenes information on transactions and what's going on in the locker room. So that's how it started. I do, like like you said, I'm, I'm not right all the time, but that's just what I'm being told, and my guys who tell me stuff are very accurate. So when I hear something that I think is worth sharing, I like to share it. Just gave us a clue, by the way. He said, my guys. But I was going to ask you, if one person <laughs> gets fired. See, the worst thing about when there's new regimes yeah. is guys yeah. get fired and you lose your sources. Yeah. You know, I, I always – I actually think – that helped me here in Jacksonville mm-hmm. back around 2012 when the team got sold. Yeah. I had built some relationships with some of the, like, when Mr. Weaver owned the team. Yeah. But when the new ownership came in, all the kind of the old guard in town had to start from scratch. Yeah. And so kind of the new guy in town was me. I'd been here about four years. Sure. And so you get to kind of build relationships on the same playing field as everybody else mm-hmm. for the most part. So from my industry standpoint, I was like, that was a, actually a big break yeah. to actually change ownership and kind of get new blood in there, if you will. Well, and it's so, hard for me because Dan Call doesn't return my calls. <laughs> yes. So and, 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 he, and he cut me. The least he can do is give me a little snip of, you know, some interesting news. Yeah. He can't even do that for can't me. Even, so you mean Dilla doesn't return your calls? Well, exactly. Well, it might be Dilla then too, man. I mean, you know, I was Tony We were talking wrestling, man. So yeah. yeah. So, but my point is, like, when you change regimes, coaching staffs, whatever else be, you lose people because mm-hmm. staffs change. If you fired one person in there, would you be in trouble, Dilla? Um, I wouldn't be in trouble. I have um a couple guys who are, I guess it's like better to call them national. They like know what's going on around the league. Um, that's kind of how I knew about uh Dax numbers, Tom Brady being down to Tampa Bay and the Chargers. Um, Amari Cooper, you know, when he didn't get his initial deal and they were like, he might test free agents, like free agency, but he got that deal right before the tag window closed. Um, that's like, that's not coming out of the Jaguars building. You know what I mean? So sometimes I know they get their feathers like ruffled down there, but (laughs) 
it's it's not coming from down there, so I kind of wish they would chill. Yeah, well, because it's a good call, man, because now you've become a little bit of a thing, so people think information is leaking out of the building, mm -hmm. you know, especially right. when Tom Coughlin's around. Yeah. He doesn't like that, yeah. you know, especially, and, and nobody likes that. I mean, I can tell you I've texted uh, a thought or two, and there will, some a response could be like, what? Yeah. Huh? Like, how do you know that, or wh what are you talking about? Um, so that's a good call to have more of the national. That's how the national guys make it, too, is they have more league sources, mm -hmm. not just specifically team sources. You've got to appreciate what Schefter and Rappaport do, though, right? Just think about Absolutely. you, like, on steroids. Yeah. yeah, when was it? I guess, like, the first wave of free agency, I was getting so much information, and I didn't know, like, what was not necessarily true or not true, but, like, what was concrete. And stuff changed so fast that, that I think I even tweeted it that day. I was like, man, th these guys are, like, insane just how, how they can handle it and get it out and be right about it. Brett alluded to it a little bit. But, you know, obviously when you tweet some stuff out, it can rub, you know, teams, organizations the wrong way. What is the most aggressive, I guess, cease and assist thing that you've got either in your DMs or on Twitter or maybe just a letter in general and then the mail of an old school approach where they're like, man, you better stop what you're doing? Or has that even um, happened? Yeah, no, nothing like formal or informal from the top. But like I hear about signings and stuff, I hear about how people are upset. So um, just recently, like to the draft, I tweeted a gif of who I thought they might target at 20, and I know that made people upset. And I was just like, that's me being a fan, having an opinion <laughs> on a player who's, who's you know, mocked to that range in the draft. So that one wasn't even me with insight, and it ruffled feathers. So it is kind of funny how it all plays out. Yeah, you deal with us uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He is getting, like... This is an interrogation yeah. right now yeah. uh, for Dilla. You must get these kind of questions all the time, though. Yeah, um, all the time. So where I work, there's a couple of execs, and they started talking to their buddies that, you know, there's someone at work who knows some stuff. And somehow they all know who I am from Twitter as well, and that's when it kind of was like, you know, Mr. Krabs meme, like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good stuff. It's fun stuff. And you just did say something that's a, you can't, you've got to be almost careful just to tweet as a fan. Anything you say now, people kind of believe to be fact. Yeah. And I like going against the grain as a fan. I don't mind like a casual argument. So I do have to like really be careful about like what I'm saying these days. All right. We're going to let you go in a minute. Austin had some football questions for you. Before I do that, how I big really of a, don't. I thought you were. You want to test his football knowledge. <laughs> no, he's pretty solid, man. I think he's good. How big of a, <laughs> how big of a football fan are you, uh, a Jags fan are you? Like uh, die hard, going to games. Um, are you done with them right now because they haven't won in forever other than 2017? Where are you at in terms of your fandom? Um, I'm die hard still. I'll probably be die hard forever. Um, I met Cap and all those dudes at the draft in 2013 in New York. Um, and I we've been pretty there. tight since. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, you definitely did. You shot a couple little short, like, shorts with us and whatnot while we were waiting outside. But um, I'm, I'm all in. I go to, like, two or three away games a year on top of all the home games. Um, so as long as they're here, I'm there. It's unquestionable. Yeah, good stuff. I'm, I'm all the way in. Do, yeah. do you, I mean, are you, uh, did you, like, play football? Uh, could you scout football? Do you, do you break it down, like, to that degree? Um, no, I, uh, I played baseball growing up, actually. Um, Football fan. Growing up, my dad is an Alabama fan. So growing up, we watch a lot of college football. I remember like the first Jaguar game. I have like memory of watching beginning to end was like Bottlegate actually in Cleveland. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't know if it was the football moment or just because of what happened at the end of the game that locked me in. But um, I can break it down. I watch it all the time. I don't like watch the you know the players, the prospects. I watch just a ton of football on Saturday, and what I pull from that, I apply to who I want them to draft. But um, I know what's going on. I like I get the schemes and stuff. Not not to like someone like Austin who's played the game and knows the ins and outs, but. I'm pretty well-versed, I'd say. Yeah, listen, you're an Alabama guy, but you did not like my Trevon Diggs mock. <laughs> I did not. I was there. I I didn't want hardly half of those dudes this year. I'm pretty honest with them, too, um, just like I am with the Jaguars. I'll, I'll tell you straight up if I, if I like them or don't like them. And I'm not right when it comes to that kind of stuff all the time, but those are just my opinions as a fan. Bill, you might have already said this, but what are your ties to Minnesota exactly? Family. Um. So, like I family. said, yeah, I got family up there. Spent a lot of time in the summer. I was gonna say. So, the, what, what part of Minnesota? Um. Have you ever seen Grumpy Old Men? I have. Wabashaw, Minnesota. Yeah. Old Slipperies. That's where. That's where the family's at. All right. So, I got a question for you. Does the term "Juicy Lucy" mean anything to you? And you if better. it does, is it underrated or overrated? Underrated. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Quick other question too. So, regarding the whole Zoom thing that went down with Leonard Fournette, I assume you were there for that, correct? I sure was. Okay. I hosted the meeting. Oh, there you go, man. So you're the mastermind behind everything. So with that being said, what uh, current or you know past Jacksonville Jaguars do you want to get on another Zoom meeting, try to pick their brain a little bit, and see what's up with them? Um, past or present, I'll probably like we'll stick right here. In man, that's a tough one. Like, while we'll do present, and because he's still technically a Jaguar, let's get Ngakwe in there and like let's figure this thing out. Uh, Ngakwe would be good. <laughs> yeah. That would be good. Yeah. If anybody could get Ngakwe unfiltered right now, oh man, that would be really good. Yeah. Uh, by the way, will we ever see some of that uh, Fournette kind of leak? I think we might have seen like a clip, but not much of it. Yeah, um, we have clips of it, but our buddy kind of tweeted it out as we didn't really think he should have, so he kind of deleted it pretty quick. Um, I don't know if it'll be out. For mass viewing, I don't have a problem showing people here and there what happened. Yeah, yeah. But um, because of like how I, I my accounts through work, I wasn't able to record the meeting, so it kind of left me hanging. Um, in terms of like actual content, but I do have some uh, phone recordings of it. It's pretty pretty good time. All right, uh, <laughs> here's the last thing for you. Uh, it might be a little. I'm gonna actually piggyback. Let's see if you can get one of the two or maybe both. The guy in the draft, the Jaguars wanted but missed on. That you maybe heard about? Um, wanted and missed on. I mean, Derek Brown was their guy because they didn't think they'd get to Okuda. Okuda was their guy guy. Yeah. So yeah. that's why you ended up seeing CJ Henderson, you know, going off the board. And I would suspect Jonathan Taylor was really close. Yeah. That was, well, there, right? there was, yep. They talked about him for sure. Um, I didn't think he was going to make it to our spot uh, in the second round. But I know that the Jaguars tried to move up three times, and the asking price was just too rich. So when people ask, you know, why did they draft 12 players? Well, it's not for the lack of wanting to move up. They just never really felt the value was worth it. Yeah, and I think some of the articles that came out were really interesting, right? They could have moved back with Tampa, but they would have mm-hmm. lost that trade on paper from, like, the analytics of it, giving up the fourth and the seventh or whatever that Tampa was going to do. So it, it does come down to value after, after a bit. Uh, last one for you. Uh, something you heard through the pipeline in the last few years – that never came to fruition, but you wish it did. Hmm. Hmm. That's a tough one to put you on the spot with, probably. Yeah. Um, man, trying to think. Like a Something that didn't happen. Well, they might have been interested in a quarterback you thought would trend that way. or 
Anything? No. Nah, nothing nothing really that you. crazy. Not not for the Jaguars. No, I can think of stuff for other teams, and not not really that I would have liked to see happen. But um, that might have I think would have been cool to happen. Yeah, like OBJ and uh, Houston and Amari Cooper signing with the Colts instead of staying in Dallas. It was close, man. That would have been problematic for us down here in Jacksonville. Yeah, we'll, we'll root for that one not to happen. <laughs> and thankfully, uh, <laughs> stayed in Dallas. Uh, e Dilla, thanks, man. We appreciate you jumping on here and, and sharing some of uh, well, what the heck you're all about and who the heck you are. Hey, man, no problem. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. You got it. Uh, that's E Dilla. <laughs> e underscore Dilla on Twitter. And listen, I can't deny it. The guy breaks a ton of news. Yeah. I mean, he's beating us to it. Yeah. A lot. And uh, some, I, I, I will be honest, I've said this to him before. I'm like, I'll be on to something. Mm. And he'll throw it out there. And I'm like, I just can't throw it out there. I'm not comfortable throwing yeah. it out there. So I've had that discussion with well, him. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I'm really impressed because he's a big Odd Future fan. Just set this in for you real quick. Odd Future is a rap collective, basically, that came out around 2008, 2009. I was a big fan of them coming up, especially Tyler, the creator. Um, just kind of see what, what, what they sing, what they rap about. My teammate, remember uh, a guy by the name of Nate Collins, defensive yeah, tackle yeah, from yeah. Virginia. Yeah. Nate Collins heard me listen to Odd Future in the locker room, and he tried to get me to call the NFL helpline to talk to some people because he thought what I was listening to was, like, devil music, basically. <laughs> so um, he was a little concerned about me for that, but I just like the beats, man. I just like, you know, I just like having fun. It was nothing that serious, but that's Odd Future. Who's the Odd Future guy? No. <laughs> you guys are so young. Well, you're, you're, you're old and you're young. Uh, that thing yeah. went way over my head or under my feet or something, that conversation. Good, but glad you guys were on the same page. Yeah. Thanks to uh, E. Dilla for stopping in on an Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 Friday. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.